Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, knowing how to respond to the question. Can you keep a Over the following weeks and months, I will be tackling some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing with you not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. You got my trust and together we can be stronger so we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it, yeah. So we can talk about it. Talk about it, yeah. Let's talk about it, yeah. Let's talk with Christina Herbert Novak. Christina is a counter-human trafficking practitioner and consultant. She has worked in the field for over a decade, both in direct work and in research. Having worked on the front lines with vulnerable groups across Europe and Asia and witnessing the reality on the ground, she then focused her work on the capture and channeling of data and intelligence on modern slavery, partnering with NGOs, information providers, financial and business industry and governments to inform policy, anti-money laundering measures, and risk-based due diligence. Christina is originally from Europe, but has been living in Asia with her husband for the past seven years. Thank you so much for joining us, Christina. Uh, hi, Anita. Thanks uh, very much for having me on your podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, I look forward to today's conversation and honored to be here. Thank you so much, Christina. Would you just briefly introduce yourself and your experience in the counter-human trafficking field? Um, sure. So as you um, mentioned, uh, I am a counter-human trafficking practitioner and consultant, um, and I've been working in this field for over 10 years now. Um, I started, I had quite a broad experience, starting with more of an international development focus and, um, and then working very much uh, in uh, social care and working with different vulnerable groups. Um, and that was a very good start, actually, in my career um, because I learned, I learned a lot about um, uh, different vulnerabilities and what um, people face and what are the systems around them that make them uh, more vulnerable or different um, policies and procedures that perhaps uh, assist in breaking that cycle of vulnerability and poverty and uh, things that work and possibly don't work. And I got to understand different contexts as well. Um, and from there, I um, also found out more about human trafficking and modern slavery, um, because, as you know, uh, they don't operate in silo. Um, if you look at exploitation, it's such a continuum, it's such a spectrum, and um, one thing leads to another often. So me working in 
with different vulnerable groups, including the refugee and asylum seeker community and others, uh, I have come to learn more about human trafficking. And that was my journey. I um, started working with an organization in the UK that was focusing on human trafficking in the UK, but also um, in the Baltics. And um, it was around 2009 when I uh, started. And you know probably how at that time um, it was starting to be more of an issue, but it wasn't so much on, on the radar of people. I think it's starting to be much more now, but back then it was quite a new topic to, to grasp with and to understand. And so um, I decided to really focus on this issue. And from there on, I was quite focused. I moved to Asia and I uh, was, got connected with a coalition of NGOs, um, which um, were working in the anti-trafficking work, but these NGOs are working on the spectrum. So I'm working anywhere from education and prevention to aftercare and social skills building and um, employment opportunities for survival. So it was a wonderful opportunity to come into a coalition that uh, was working together and um, a huge step in my own journey, to be honest, um, because this coalition was focused on doing things the right way. And when I say that, I mean, that best practice was a very important part of this coalition and of, of the different policies and structures that were in place. And, um, you know, uh, when we say best practice, we know, um, you know, in social work, it means do no harm or um, make sure that what you're doing doesn't actually create more harm. And of course, we would never think that we create harm um, as um, social workers or as caseworkers, but we actually have to think a little bit further to understand the, the environment, to understand um, other factors, the communities um, that our beneficiaries are in, so that we don't create any um, unintended consequences. So this simple example of uh, social work aspect was upheld and there were other things such as safeguarding. Safeguarding was very much taken seriously. Um, confidentiality policies, um, uh, focus on, because we were working with trafficking uh, survivors, focus on keeping, working with them in a dignified way, um, doing fundraising in a way that wasn't weeds, working their stories, so ethical storytelling. And so just to wrap that one up, I, I just was very, very impressed with um, the focus that this coalition had. Um, Perhaps we take it for granted, um, you know, and, and it's, for example, in the UK, that was my experience. Um, but when we go into other contexts, uh, often we're perhaps um, not so, we, we see things not so well set up. And, and that's where uh, I really got um, interested in, in wanting to see organization doing things right. So that was one experience that really stayed with me. And the other one was um, then looking at working with victims of uh, survivors of human trafficking being repatriated back to their home countries and seeing that so many of them were coming from exploitative situations of uh, labor. Uh, we often look at human trafficking from a sex trafficking perspective, and it's definitely very much part of it and probably often tied into 
um, labor exploitation, labor trafficking. But um, I think sometimes we also, the movement focuses a lot on that because it's the more um, uh, emotional um, aspect of it. But what we were actually seeing on ground in Asia was that many, many victims were exploited through work and through labor, you know, working in factories, on plantations and other areas. And this is where um, I started to look at, okay, actually, who are the other stakeholders that could help and influence and protect these uh, trafficking survivors from either re-entering the cycle or from getting there in the first place. And my desire became to engage with these employers, these businesses, the investors who um, finance these uh, projects and plantations and factories. Um, and I really became aware that we need to work together in the ecosystem, as we call it, to help protect the vulnerable. And so I joined an organization that was working with uh, businesses and with the financial services industry in various um, and other industries. And I began to help businesses understand and access information on what is actually happening down their supply chains um, at, on the production lines um, and helping them to see, well, are they linked to human uh, rights violations, environmental violations? Are they linked to modern slavery issues, forced labor, child labor, etc.? And often, you know, um, there was this disbelief, oh, wow, we didn't know this was happening under our watch um, because it's so easy to cover up uh, human rights abuses but now that the NGOs who are there and working on those front lines are starting to connect with the businesses and sharing information there is this responsibility now on businesses to do the right thing with the information and it's not only that it's now coming from also um, consumers like uh, the, us the buyers of products as well as um, legislation and regulation is tightening around this and really asking businesses and uh, banks to report on um, the issue of, uh, of slavery and trafficking um, uh, and profiting of these crimes as well. So, uh, so that's a kind of a nutshell. And um, what I've been doing, I've taken a, a short sabbatical as well from the industry and Coming back, I have been working with um, asylum seeker refugees and also developing um, my own consulting practice. So this is what I'm working on at the moment. It sounds amazing. Would you be willing to tell us some more about your own practice that you're currently working on? Sure. Um, so with my experience, um, I'm in, uh, engaging with um, the organizations uh, here where uh, in Hong Kong and um, looking at uh, their safeguarding practices. Um, so, as I said, um, I believe every organization um, wants to do things well, um, and it is important to have the basic um, infrastructure to be able to operate well. Um, every country has different legislation, you know, on privacy, confidentiality, and so on, but there is a general global best practice as we have different standards and so. So I'm involved now in looking at safeguarding, but at the same time, um, I still 
am uh, looking at um, engaging more with the businesses here. So um, that is something that is in the pipeline at the moment. Thank you. And you've mentioned that you've spent a lot of time in Asia. Which countries have you specifically been to? And what would you say are some of the greatest challenges you've experienced working in a different culture, different languages? Mm. Uh, so I've worked in Cambodia for four years. And um, we also ran an online uh, anti-trafficking coalition, which is called the Freedom Collaborative, um, which started off in Asia. So neighboring countries, uh, Vietnam, Thailand, uh, and now has kind of grown much more globally, um, included Indonesia, Malaysia, India, but now it's, it's a global coalition including Africa, North America, South America, Europe, um, and basically a global coalition. So we've done that, we've moved that community from, uh, from being very localized and connected basically the other anti-trafficking uh, organizations together. So it's something that uh, your listeners could check out and which is a great resource and I highly recommend getting to be part of it. It's called freedomcollaborative.org. Um, so um, to answer the question of, you know, how, how is it, what is the challenge of working in, in different cultures? <laughs> I think uh, all of us, I suppose, who have, you know, travel and live and work in different places. Um, I think there is a great wisdom in uh, coming into a, a new place and sort of first doing your your research to understand the environment that we're going to be part of, right? So um, understanding its history, its um, challenges, and, and also the specific context of our work, um, the organization we'll be working with. And it's again part of the best practice, I would say, is understanding the model of the organization as well. And there's only so much we can find out by research. And you know, coming in, I think it's important to have this um, humility um, to to learn from from the local, you know, local communities, from the local staff. I think often it is a it is tempting to come in, especially. Um, if there is more experience to you know be to feel like we, we have experience to share and we want to and it's a good thing but at the same time we really need to be respectful of those that have lived there all their lives and come up alongside so what I really see is important and this is something that I have been learning you know it's not something that I perhaps started with but I see as so essential is that we come alongside um, and we understand the impact of our presence and our work. And rather than creating more dependencies and gaps after we leave, that we make sure we're actually there to support the local staff to create more resilient communities um, even. So that has definitely been a challenge, seeing that um, you know, in the aid sector, the development sector, uh, trafficking sector, anything that's kind of uh, working with vulnerable communities um, is quite an important aspect of it um, and I think you know personally I mean it's not um, always easy to be away from family and but uh, I really enjoyed um, being able to connect and, and find friends and basically find family where I was and it felt it felt like I, I made you know friendships for life and um, yeah so 
hope that answers the question. Most certainly. Thank you. And would you have any advice? Let's say some of the listeners desire to to travel overseas, maybe to work overseas. Do you have any advice for somebody who would be interested in pursuing work, specifically in anti-human trafficking, but leaving their home country and going abroad? Any kind of tips, advice for what someone should do if they chose to follow in your footsteps? Um, yes. Um, you know, I must be honest. I think um, that I had uh, ideas of how uh, trafficking looks like and each context is so unique, right? So um, what I would say is um, to get familiar with the context that is in your back, in your own backyard first, to try to understand human trafficking and how it looks like and, and how it's happening around you where you are. Um, I, I had the desire to go overseas, but I was already working where I was based and trying to understand that environment as well. And I think it's, it's good to start, to start like that. It's not always possible. And I, I think actually um, going overseas and, and learning is very good. But start where you can. That's my advice. It's not necessarily one is better than the other, but start where we, where we can. Learn about the issues where we are. Understand how trafficking looks like in your environment. Learn the red flags. I usually carry um, uh, the hotline numbers for modern slavery um, in my phone um, and for organizations that have ground hotlines or where you can report things. So um, maybe starting to be aware of what organizations um, are around in our context and, um, and, and also just understanding the model of the organization. So this is also for going overseas. If someone's feeling really stirred and like I did to, you know, move abroad and, and work in a different context. And let's be honest, I think if, if that's on your heart, then we all need to pursue that. But it's really good to do your research before going somewhere and then um, asking the right questions, right? Asking the questions of yourself, of the organization and um, understanding the impact and more long-term impact on the communities around. And so um, the questions we can ask ourselves is, what are our motives? Why are we doing this? Is this going to be more for ourselves? Um, is this going to be an awareness-raising trip or awareness-raising time for ourselves? And let's be honest, everything, every uh, work we do is learning. Um, we, we are learning ourselves. So we need to be honest about that. And I think that gives us a humbling attitude as well. And when we go somewhere, we don't come as the experts, but we come as someone to come alongside and to also learn from those that are already working in these environments. Um, and uh, understanding the, the organization, you know, asking the difficult questions, ask them before you go there, understand if they have the right safeguarding in place, if it's working with vulnerable populations, you know, what are their child protection policies, their vulnerable adult protection policies, um, you know, how do they get their funding, is it based on, is it something sustainable or is it only based on, uh, you know, random contributions and visitor contributions, and that, you know, creates different challenges. Um, and what is the impact um, on the 
beneficiaries and their communities? Is it something uh, that's creating um, resilience uh, or is it something that's creating dependency and more gaps when I leave? And I think these are important questions to ask, but I think if that's something on our hearts, then we then it's it's a very exciting uh, mission and a very exciting feeling. And I really encourage us to to explore that and to um, perhaps really get connected with the with an organization that is doing this work. Go and see, you know, um, how it's done, and perhaps if it's a more longer term thing, then um, going in, you know, ready for for that experience um, is very helpful. And of course, it's a learning, it's a learning process. Um, I also, uh, you know, kind of dived right in and uh, had to learn a lot um, as I was going. And so I'm sharing something that I actually wish I have done before, perhaps that I wish that I had um, uh, perhaps been a little better prepared. But in terms of the organization I got connected with, it was a wonderful organization. And it's actually changed my life um, and the course of my career as well. So, yeah, I, I encourage everyone to do it and to do it in the right way. Thank you so much. So we have about three or so minutes left. As wondering, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share before we end this podcast for today? Um, thanks, Yunita. Well, um, I, perhaps the final thoughts I have is I'd really like to encourage all of us to um, work in uh, the spirit of collaboration. I think we, your listeners, we're all, you know, um, part of either fighting human trafficking, exploitation, or, or interested too. And um, there's, you know, it doesn't have to only be working with an NGO. It doesn't have to be a specific group. Uh, actually, I think the whole ecosystem needs to come together. And uh, if you are working for a business, fashion industry, other kinds of industry, uh, you have so much, um, uh, there's so much momentum in the professional world now, in the corporate sector, in the fashion industry, in, in every kind of sector that that is, you know, that employs people and, and um, creates jobs. So um, there, there's very good movement towards more responsible business practices that involve taking care of employees and human rights and child rights and all of these. And I encourage that wherever we are working, that we actually get really plugged in and connected to those um, sections of the business and to really utilize that because, you know, the best way to address this, I believe, is to, if we could do prevention. We could prevent exploitation from happening although that's very hard and there needs to be all these different ways to disrupt and to uh, remediate. Uh, prevention is, uh, is where we would like to actually stop if we could. Um, and so if we can, you know, all of us do our part um, in engaging where we are in our businesses and in other areas, in NGO sector, in government, uh, in the finance industry, we all have a role to play and there's definitely a momentum for that. Thank you so much. And is there any way we can get in contact with you if people hearing what you have to share would love to get more information? Sure. 
uh, right now, uh, the best way to get in contact is through my LinkedIn account. Uh, so, um, Christina Herbert Novak, and um, maybe uh, watch the space for um, website and other um, venues. But right now, LinkedIn is the best way. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time, Christina. It's been amazing to hear what you have to share. I'm certainly excited to one day meet you in Asia, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Yes, I look forward to it. Thank you as well. It was good to talk. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information and the conversation I had today with Christina Herbert Novak has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education. And when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another, and this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changing, C-A-S-E-S dot org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. And I want to talk about it. Can I trust you on my side? Because I want to talk about it. Or can you keep a secret? Keep a secret. Can you keep a secret?